That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. If it's your first time listening, welcome. So glad you're here today. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, thank you for coming back. Always good to be here with you. Thanks for supporting us. Thanks for supporting my sobriety, too. Man, it's been crazy. We got a great guest today lined up for you. His name is Nate Kelly. And uh, Nate is in recovery from alcohol. Uh, he's six years sober. Talks to others in recovery who share their stories in, in the hopes of accomplishing sobriety themselves. Uh, and uh, he's also just launched a podcast called The Sobriety Diaries. And uh, we chatted a little bit before we got recording today. And I can tell he's a very passionate dude who's excited about sharing the platform and allowing other people to come on and share their story uh, to help inspire others. So I'm uh, super pumped to hear some of his experience and uh, what The Sobriety Diaries is all about. We're going to get to Nate in just a minute. First, be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. You can follow us on Instagram at thatsoberguypodcast. Uh, you can also join us on Locals. We have a great sober community over there. It's kind of like Instagram meets Patreon. Uh, you can help support us, be part of a growing sober community that is number one, uh, first thing of importance, it's safe. Uh, and then in addition to that, it's going to help you stay accountable. We're all going to have some fun in the process. I think we just uh, surpassed uh, 200 active members in there. So it's so awesome. We're getting 5, 10, 15 people joining up a day. So I'd love to have you join right now. You can download the Locals app or you can go to that sober guy podcast.locals.com and uh, both those links are in the show notes as well. Uh, let's see, we got some hoodies, some shirts, all that stuff in the show notes at that sober how to navigate the first 90 days of sobriety podcast digital course as well. If you're struggling, struggling, those first 90 days are so crucial. Uh, so it's a great resource. And then of course, some meetings, uh, fourth dimensioners meeting is on there. It's a nightly uh, 6 p.m., 9 p.m., uh, let's see, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern uh, meeting on there, and it's daily. I think they have a speaker on Saturdays, so another great resource. There's tons of stuff on there. Stay connected. That's the point I'm getting at is we have to put the work in. We got to show up, and we got to stay connected if we want to stay sober, and uh, I, can, I couldn't be more um, happy today to have Nate on the show, and uh, I'm going to welcome him, Nate Kelly. It's good to be here with you. You're coming all the way from Ohio, so we're talking some sobriety from Ohio to Cali and Cali back to Ohio. Nate, it's good to uh, see you today and have you on the podcast, man. Thanks, Shane. Happy to be here, man. Dude, the studio is looking legit, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thank you for saying that. I've been working hard on it. Yeah, I could this tell. Is, this is my newest edition right here, the, the sober neon sign. Looks really good, dude. Where'd you get? Did you get that made, or how? how do you, I did. Yeah, it's yeah, really cool. Yeah, you know, it's it's been uh, it's been a long couple of weeks with the launch and basically working two full time jobs. Uh, and you know, I find myself up at night scrolling the internet, finding things to buy and to to better <laughs> this <laughs> to add to the studio. So, yeah, um, I appreciate it. Yeah, that that's that's a good one, man. And I'm definitely guilty of that too. That. Um, well, I won't say aimlessly because I feel like there's always a purpose in the stuff that I buy, but it's fun sometimes to like just kind of veg out a little bit and, uh, you know, scroll through some things and see what we can find out there. There's lots of good stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I love that you mentioned you're working two jobs, you're grinding away. 
Um, and you have this, well, you didn't say this, but I'm going to say it cause I could, I could see it and I can relate to it cause I've been doing yeah. the same thing is you have this passion, yeah. man, to, uh, want to share your, your journey. You want to share it with others, help inspire others and then, uh, hear other people's as well, man. So what, what's that been like? Just, uh, just kind of grinding away and like launching this podcast. It's a big, it's a big thing. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you said that because Time-wise, it is two jobs, but you know, dedication-wise, and it doesn't feel like two jobs because this is more of a passion project, and it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Um, so that part of it, I think, is what's getting me through. And uh, you know, there's starting to be a little feedback on the podcast and some positive um, reinforcement and, um, you know, building that confidence up. So there's definitely some momentum building. So, you know, that makes it easier on a daily basis. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I work a 12 step program, so it's just part of that sort of interaction with other alcoholics. And, you know, I need to continually give it away to keep it. Um, so selfishly, there's a bit of an insurance policy on my own sobriety as well. Um, however, the, um, you know, the, the primary, the primary goal is, is to help those who, who may still be struggling, but, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been sort of a whirlwind of, a of a couple of months and I'm glad that, you know, there's some episodes finally out there and, and that people can hear what we've been working on. Yeah. Good, good stuff, man. That's good to hear. And, uh, super excited for you. Congrats on, on the launch of, uh, of the podcast, uh, and putting in the work too, man. It's not easy. It's a lot of work to get things going, especially when you're working and doing stuff. And I think it's, uh, I think it's just a testament. Like when we're passionate about something, um, man, we, we go for it, you know, and a lot of us in recovery are like that. We're creators, um, you know, we're artists and, uh, and, and we love, I actually was just doing some, um, uh, some post-production on a, on another podcast I did talking a lot about the same, same type of stuff. So, um, let's kind of kick this off, uh, official right now. I have a question for you. Want to hear your take on it. Uh, share something that you believe about being sober or getting sober, uh, that some people might disagree with. Ooh, uh, I would say, I guess that, that being sober or that sobriety is, simply not drinking or mm. simply not taking drugs, um, which I was guilty of in, in early yeah. sobriety. I had no experience or no knowledge on a 12-step program or um, you know, sobriety or, or anything about the world that is so prevalent in my life now when I first got sober. So I, I was of that school of thought uh, six years ago. And you know, I think to perhaps people, you know, on the outside looking in, they may think that, but, you know, I quickly learned that, you know, to keep that addiction at bay. And for my addiction, it is a obsession of the mind that turns into a physical addiction to, to the drugs or alcohol. So to keep that at bay, I need to work on other things as yeah, well that, good. that, you know, I may have internally to, uh, to, you know, rid myself of that malady. So, uh, I think that the, uh, larger picture or the larger issue for me is helping other people, you know, living a better life that, 
you know, if, if there was a fly on the wall or, you know, your sponsor or your mom saw everything that you did, would she, would she or would they be proud of it? So yeah. I think sobriety and recovery is a much larger, um, much larger sort of uh, avenue or aspect of our lives than simply not yeah. drinking. Yeah, I love it, man. It's like practicing these principles in all our affairs if we put it in sort of Amen. a 12 step, 12 step manner. And so, you know, uh, everyone listening, you know, Nate basically said being sober is simply not is is not just not drinking. There's so much more to it. And I know for me, like that's been a huge aspect. It's like, you know, I'm, I, I'll have uh, eight years this year, you know, in September and um, of not drinking. But like, that's just a small part of it for me. And for many of us, it's like, now how the hell do I live life on life's terms instead of Shane's terms? You know, that's where, that's where the work comes in. And that's why we stay plugged in and we do the things we need to do. We show up, we connect, we go to meetings, we go to groups, like whatever it is that we need to do uh, to, to stay plugged in. The not drinking thing is just a, just a part of that. And it's a big part for a lot of people who are struggling. No doubt. I don't want to minimize it. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good, good stuff, man. So cool. if, uh, if we kind of kick it off, like with your recovery journey, man, I, I want to hear a little bit about, um, what that looked like for you. Where did, where did drinking start? Where did it take you? And, uh, you know, what's, what's things uh, looking like today, Nate? Yeah, sure. I, um, I love that because you and I both, I think ask our guests to do that. So I'm happy to, uh, to do the same thing. Fair is fair. So, um, you know, I, I talked to a lot of addicts who, you know, maybe had a, a trauma or chaos or some sort of, um, specific sort of pinpointable moment in their life that sort of led down a path of addiction. And that simply is not part of my story. You know, I had a, a great childhood. Uh, I grew up in small town, Ohio, sort of, rural America, you know, my parents are hardworking people, you know, blue collar family. It, it, it was pretty uneventful, um, pretty uneventful on the outside. That is internally, that was a different story. You know, I, uh, am still to this day and can remember, you know, always sort of feeling, you know, just not a part of the group and, distanced from my peers, especially in school, you know, whether it was the popular kids or the, you know, jocks or, or whatever it may have been. I always just found myself withdrawing from, um, you know, any group and yeah. just internalizing everything as a child. Um, and that is hard for, for a kid to not have an outlet and to not, um, you know, understand perhaps things about myself, you know, as I yeah. continued to grow and develop and, um, sort of figure things out about myself, you know, I realized that I was gay at a pretty early age and, you know, again, in, in, in small town, middle America, uh, that definitely wasn't something I was going to share with anyone, mm. um, at that point in my life. And How I didn't even you? really, I would say, like I said, I knew there was a difference, yeah. but before I knew what it was, actually, I would say, you know, 12, 13, okay, when, it. you know, you start to have sexual feelings and it's like, you can pinpoint 
pinpoint yeah. something I was like say, that. I mean, that, that's like a tough age anyways, because you're starting yeah. to like develop and like, yeah, like you said, you're, you're, you're just, you're starting to become yeah. a young man. And yeah, so confusing as is, and then add that on. Compounded it. Yeah. And again, not, you know, just bottling it up inside and, uh, you know, sort of chalking up another thing to add to the list of differences. Mm. Um, and, you know, always sort of was an effeminate kid and, Bullying was certainly part of my childhood, not to the degree where it was, you know, physical or traumatic, but I certainly went to school every day anticipating getting picked on or bullied or pushed around or whatnot. So, you know, it was just sort of a lonely childhood. My mom will tell you still to this day that I was was always a troubled soul as a kid. And I love her for that honesty because it's true. And I, you know, I she's, she knows best. And, uh, I can, I can sort of relate to that kid as I look back at him, but, um, you know, moving into high school, I guess, drininging became an outlet at an early age, you know, freshman year. Um, you know, I sort of got introduced to almost like alternative sort of party kids and, um, you know, being from a small town, it was always, anticipated, I guess, that that we would drink at an early age was kind of thing that we did was to to get a case of natty light and go out to a field somewhere or, you know, unfortunately drive around maybe or or whatever it was. If someone's parents were out of town, we'd crash their house. But it, it was just sort of, you know, unfortunately like what we did in, in small town America was to start drinking at an early age. And I was looking forward to it, man. Yeah. Um my sister is three years older than me and she went to Ohio university, which is known as a party school. And, uh, you know, I couldn't wait to, to get down there and stay with her and see what it had to offer. My parents were fairly, I mean, lenient, uh, you know, but with still rules, but they were going to let me go and stay with her on campus when I was a sophomore. So, you know, the anticipation and like the lead up to the weekend and like, what's the plan? What are we drinking? What, you know, where's the party? It's all of that, like planning and that, um, you know, that obsession of the mind that I talked about that led me to basically drink alcoholically from my first drink, which was there on campus at OU, uh, my sophomore year of high school. So, um, you know, I, I woke up and basic, basically a pile of vomit with a hangover that no 16 year old could probably handle. And I couldn't wait to do it again, you know, and, and thus started the, the life of an alcoholic. You know, it, I was in high school at the time, so I, I definitely wasn't a daily drinker, but it was always a, you know, top of conversation. Where's the next party? Who's buying the beer this weekend? Can you believe she did that when she was drunk at the last party? Always talked about and always sort of anticipated um, from that, like I said, from that first drink. So uh, I I liked OU so much. I took my my budding alcoholic self there for for my own college career. So, um, (laughs) you know, I, (laughs) as we do, um, but I, muddled through, I guess, the academic side of uh, life at a, a major university, but I was certainly more focused on the 
um, social aspect of things and the party side of life um, on campus. How how and, how big of how big of an issue do you think is uh, is alcohol when it comes to college and college life? I mean, it seems like it's like such a big wow, yeah such a big thing and it seems like it's a, a big issue i didn't i didn't go to a big college i didn't really do much college um yeah. you know myself but i have a lot of friends and even family and stuff who's been um you know been to, to to big schools local schools and it always seems to come back to that there's like and of course we see it in media and movies and stuff too but the college scene it's like you're supposed to go to college and like go and just like party and it's like and this that, is what you do it's totally right. acceptable you know and it's like yeah. man like that's got to have a huge impact on these young men and women who are like trying to find themselves and then boom like you, you find yourself totally lost i mean was that kind of a, a I mean, you relate to that I'm, i would imagine a hundred percent i was completely ill-equipped to deal with life as a young man coming from you know, a, a small town in, in Ohio that was, you know, a, a budding alcoholic and I, I didn't have any life skills. And yeah. as I would realize those and, and feel, you know, ill-equipped or inept in some sort of aspect of life or felt overwhelmed with my college career, working part-time and trying to pay bill, you know, it's like all of a sudden you're, you're responsible for your own life. Yeah. Yeah. definitely factored into it. And I think to your point, like the, the movies and the TV shows and the music normalize the party scene and, and alcohol so much that yeah. I think again, it's, it's almost, you know, I don't want to use the word expected, but like anticipated, yeah. you know, when you get to campus that that's what's going to happen. And, and like accepted too. It's just like a normal, it's like, okay, cool. This is what we're supposed to do, you know? And yeah. then, um, you know, it's okay. You know, and they, well, I'm not as bad as that guy over there. We've all yeah. heard that one too. Uh, <laughs> so, but anyway, I didn't mean to derail us, but I just wanted to no, kind of fine. point that out. But, um, so where does it go from there? Like you're in, you're in college and, and you're, you know, you're kind of trying to figure things out and what, what happens after that? Yeah, I think that's, it's, is sort of elevated to the next level in college, you know, without a, a drunk a log or, or dragging yeah. you through that five years. I will say in college is when I started realizing consequences of my drinking. Uh, I got my first, I got my first DUI. I got, you know, I, I, I tended to get mouthy when I drank and I had no right to, I mean, I have a hoodie on, but I can barely defend myself, Shane, I'm scrawny. <laughs> and, but, but I sure thought that I could, and I would yeah. mouth off to anyone at a party. And, yeah. you know, I've several times was knocked out at parties and woke up in a hand, you know, paper towels, bloody paper towels and wow. broke my nose several times and, you know, reconstructive surgery later and, and yada, yada, no lesson learned. So, yeah. you know, the consequences started, started building up at that point. And, um, like I said, the, the drinking was definitely elevated to the next level. I was, I was drinking on a daily basis at this time, but still socially in college, um, when I graduated, I, I moved here to Columbus and started working in the restaurant business and, um, you know, started seeing some success in, in the, yeah. in the management side of things pretty early on. And, um, you know, ended up progressing through the ranks of, um, uh, general manager and, and corporate training team. And, um, I was on a, uh, traveling training team that, um, 
for a company that was sort of booming at the time and opening restaurants all over the country. And I was the head of the training team. So we would sort of just cruise around the country with a wake of destruction in our past and party all over the place. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I I think, uh, um, I don't think it's a negative connotation of the service industry, but it's definitely sort of a, you know, part part of the lifestyle of um, that industry. And it's sort of, my, definitely well, chewed me up and, and spit me out for sure. My, my wife and I were both servers. Um, you know, my wife is a hairstylist. Um, and uh, so while she was going, you know, to school for that and I was just doing whatever I was doing, we were both serving tables and that was the lifestyle, like straight up, like you yeah. partied with your crew and you had a good time. And I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. It's, and it's not, I think it's a negative connotation so much. It just yeah. kind of is, you know, it's just, right. that's just what, you know, what you do. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're doing that. Where does it, where does it lead to? I mean, was that the. What, what's yeah, next? and it it ended up leading to a job opportunity in Baltimore. So I was, you know, have in these successful positions along the way, and I was afforded an opportunity as a multi-unit uh, manager in in DC and Eastern Maryland. So I I took on a patch of ten restaurants, and I will say that it was a, just a complete culture shock from your, you know, blue collar small town Ohio born and bred white boy to like the urban side of DC and Eastern Maryland and in Northern Virginia, just complete culture shock compounded by the fact that I knew nobody in, in Maryland. And, you know, this is really when the drinking turned to a more miserable and like isolating, depressive sort of drinking as opposed to like the fun and social drinking. Um, And this is also where I would wake up and, and start drinking booze instead of coffee. And, you know, I was able to do the majority of this workload from home. So I would, you know, wake up to some, some vodka and Chardonnay and pop on some conference calls and take a nap and wake up and get drunk again. And it was this weird, vicious cycle of getting drunk like three or four times a day. And then like taking these little like micro naps during the day and like doing it all over and it just sunk into this horrible isolation and depression. Um, I was planning on coming home for the holidays after about a year in Maryland. And I had had this like nagging dull headache for about two weeks. And it was, I mean, it was almost like a stiff neck is what I thought that it was. Like I slept on my neck wrong. We've all done it a hundred times. So I just kind of like forgot about it and was just going about life. Um, And I I made it back here to Ohio and was at my sister's house. And traditionally we had this big New Year's Day party at her house. So it was New Year's Eve and we were there sort of cleaning the house, prepping food, wrapping presents, just prepping for the next day. And all of a sudden it felt like I got hit in the head with a hammer and like my body goes limp. The right side of my body is numb. I fall halfway to the ground and pull a chair over. My vision is gone. I can't speak. Of course, people, you know, we're terrified. We, I mean, had no clue what was going on. Uh, So we get to the ER immediately which I 
side note, I have to call my sister out on this because she drove me to the ER and she pulls up to like the unloading dock and was like, okay, go on in and I'll park the car and and I'll be in in a minute. I'm like, bitch, I can't see. I can't walk. <laughs> yeah, you need she's to like, get me a damn wheelchair. Yeah, dang she's, it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, wow. anytime I get the chance to to bust her balls, I'm oh, yeah. going to do it. But, Classic brother um, sister. Yeah. So we get into the ER and they prioritize us and they're, the nurses are rushing around and the doctors, you know, are, are focusing on us. And, you know, at this point, I guess I didn't understand the severity of it, but I guess long story long, I, I had a stroke at the age of 32 as a direct result of my alcoholism. You know, wow. it was a, nearly two decades of just brutal, brutal, you know, partying and, and beating my body up and not listening to my, my body and, and it's yeah. cry for help and, and just, you know, like I said, that misery, that isolated drinking, that three Magnum bottles of Chardonnay and a pint of vodka a day will do that to you. So yeah. I spent six weeks in a bed and in the neuro ICU and inpatient rehabilitation. Um, I learned to walk again at the age of 32. Um, thankfully, I didn't lose any brain function or vocabulary, um, but it was definitely a long road to recovery. And this is probably the point where a non-alcoholic person would have never picked up another drink, right, Shane? Yeah. <laughs> however, yeah. You however, know, there's there's the caveat to that, uh, folks. Yes. <laughs> As you and I know, I yeah. was, you know, I wasn't quite done yet. Wow. And as I lay in that bed for six weeks, it is sick and it turns my stomach to think about it. But I all I thought about was what my first drink was going to be when I got out of the hospital. After you just almost and, died. Yeah. Crazy, man. Yeah. 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 And that is, that is the severity of where my disease took me. And, um, you know, if there are people that can relate, I'm sure that, um, you know, there are depths that you go to, um, in the disease of addiction where, you know, you, you think that you will never go. Yeah. And I would say that that was probably the lowest one. And, yeah. you know, like I said, wasn't quite ready yet, but, at this time, or actually a few months prior to that, my best friend and sort of, um, you know, BFF partier, but really so much more than that. I mean, her and I had been through so much together. It just so happened that we both were alcoholics. But at this point, she had started um, working a 12-step program and she had started sort of her road to recovery. And, you know, I was kind of mad at first because that was my girl and my, you know, my right hand partier. And, yeah. you know, I, I are you really not going to drink forever? Like what? <laughs> Come on. But then all of this had sort of happened and, and she's kind of just did it in like the most perfect way where she would kind of just like highlight portions of her own life that got better because she wasn't drinking and yeah. just maybe suggest that I go to a meeting with her and never like look down upon the fact that, you know, I had this serious medical 
trauma and decided to continue to drink and never judged me for it. And, you know, just was always there for me. And eventually with the um, sort of help of my family and just an utter disgust in myself one day, I just, and I don't know where it came from. I do know where it came from, a power much greater than myself, but there was just a day where I became willing to throw my hands up and my sister was at my apartment and I was just brushing my teeth. And as most alcoholics know, like you you can't really brush your teeth that well because you're, you're gagging all over the place. But there was this moment of clarity where I looked up in the mirror and, you know, I just sort of saw like the last two decades flash before my eyes. And it was like, you know, how did we get to this place and what are you doing? Yeah. And I walked out of the bathroom and I said to my sister, let's do it. And unbeknownst to me, she had been sort of researching rehabs and um, had some contacts ready to go and some people lined up in her back pocket. And we were in the car 30 minutes later on the way to an inpatient treatment facility. And I spent um, another another six weeks there in their inpatient program and detox, and um, then you know moved on to the the inpatient side. And you know, it I went to a state funded um, rehab, and you know, I. It's all good, man. You're doing great, bro. You're doing great. I know it's such a, it's such a, um, you know, cause we don't talk about these things a lot. I don't know if you're like me, I, I don't, we do, but especially being so open about them and we have to, it's almost like re reliving it sometimes. And that was actually the question I, I was going to ask you as you were kind of saying that is I share some of what rehab is like. I've done a couple podcasts about it. Um, and I get that question a lot. I think people are curious, like what, Yeah. I mean, let's kind of pause on that part. Like what was, what was re what was rehab like, like for you, if you could describe it? Yeah. I mean, you know, you go there terrified. Mm. I went there terrified of the unknown. And, you know, at the time I think admitting that I was an alcoholic was more like, tragic in my mind than living that life of misery for the the two decades prior. So it was definitely that leap in that like unknown that was, you know, anxiety ridden for me. But the reason I got emotional was because, I mean, the place saved my life a hundred percent and I wouldn't be here. And, you know, whatever, whatever preconceived notions I had about people prior to going in there and whatever sort of, I thought about myself on the outside prior to going in there, you know, I was with IV drug users that came off of living under a bridge for the last six months and people that came straight up out of corrections and people that on the outside didn't look like me or that I thought that I would ever identify with or have a connection with. And these are people in my life that 
I relate to the most and that we were all the same and all there for the same reason and all ready to make a commitment to live a better life. And isn't, isn't that, isn't that so crazy too? Like how there's so many different personalities and people from all different walks of life, different, um, you know, from different places, we look different, we've had different experiences, but we have this one damn thing in common. Cause I experienced the same thing, bro. Rehab was crazy. And, and, just to kind of relate real fast when you said, because I, I started having flashbacks when you were describing it a little bit, and I've been thought about <laughs> this in a while, but when you said, how the hell did I get here? You know, like yeah. how do I remember being in the bathroom, like the first couple of days I was there in detox and just going like, God, how, like, how, where am I right now? How did I get here? Like, how did it get to this right. point? Because we think we can control it. We think, oh, I, I got this, man. I got, I got we'll this. figure it out. You know, we're good. And then all of a sudden you're thrown in this environment with 30 other random people, you know, who all different back backgrounds and whatever. And you start, and not everybody gets along great, but like there's no. a, you, you do make a lot of good connections and you find something in common. And I think it's a really even as I'm talking this out right now, it's a testament to human connection. It's a testament to being connected to somebody and relating to somebody and being able to communicate what the hell is going on, what we're feeling. And it's so, so important, man. So important. Absolutely. It, it, it is really the like crux of my program and, and the most, probably the most powerful thing I've ever been a part of in my life. Um, you know, I will say, I I guess in full transparency, like I just didn't go in there and have a great experience. You know, it took time to settle in and get used to my surroundings. And, you know, I probably thought that I was better than most of the people on day one, two, three, until you get sort of knocked back and you realize what, you know, the severity of the situation. And like I said, what we are all here for, yeah. which is the same thing and, and, and to commit to live a better life and sort of figure out this disease that we have. And, but man, I, I am so grateful for that place. Yeah. So how, how, so how long were you in the, the treatment facility for? Was it a total of six weeks? It was, yeah, it was a total of six weeks. Um, the, I get in a normal, I think a normal round would be five weeks, a week in detox and then the four week inpatient, but they were sort of overcrowded when I was there. So I, they didn't have a bed ready for me, um, on the like inpatient side. So I still, I stayed in detox for two weeks, whereas it would normally only be a week, but yeah, six, six weeks, uh, inpatient. I left there two days before Thanksgiving. Um, my friend, whom I spoke of earlier, who got me started on this path, picked me up from rehab. We went to my apartment. I dropped my bag off. I took a shower and we went to a 12 step meeting. So, um, I took the advice and I took the direction of those who, um, had had a little success in the program and I was willing to be teachable and sort of take their direction. Um, and I did that. And that was, um, you know, my last drink was October 9th of 2015 and nice. I've by the grace of God been, uh, committed to that program ever since. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. And I love that. Uh, and congratulations, number one, uh, for Thank sticking you. with it and congratulations for having the, um, you know, the mindset in that tough moment to take the advice. That's one of the things you said. I, I took the advice. I listened. And that's what, in my own experience and with so many people that I talk to is one of the hardest things is we think we got the shit figured out. 
I still, yes. I don't have, I'm not even close to having it figured out. Thank God. And, and I remain teachable too. That's another thing you said. Yeah. So like when we can humble ourselves and just kind of step back and go, man, like, like one of my favorite things to say these days, three words, I don't know. Like, I don't have to have all the damn it's, answers. You know? It's so freeing. It, it, <laughs> it lifts, it, it lifts so much pressure off of you. If you yeah. don't have to know everything, you don't have to have all the answers and you can just ask for help. Yeah. If yep. you just ask for help, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a yep. new life. I can't recommend it enough. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and, and what, so one of the things like when, when we come, so rehab, treatment, uh, whether it's inpatient, outpatient, whatever it is, it's new. You have a lot of hands-on help. You got a lot of connection. You're meeting new people. You, a lot of, you know, you have counselors and even if somebody is listening to this and they're not going to, you know, they didn't go to a rehab or maybe they just tried to do 12 step on, on, you know, with a, a mentor or a sponsor or whatever, I think this kind of apply this question I'm going to ask you kind of applies to the same thing. Like once we go through that, like, once I got home from treatment, it was like, holy shit. It was almost like when we had uh, my wife and I had our kids or, or our first daughter, actually, everything's cool in the hospital. And then you got nurses <laughs> coming in and helping and like everyone's there. And then all of a sudden you got to go home and you take this baby home and you're like, holy shit, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, it's kind of the same concept when we get sober. So like, what did that look like for you once you got home and you had to re-enter into this, this new world, this new Nate now, all of a sudden, who the hell am I? And what do I do? Like, yeah. what, what part? what was that like? It's a great question because I live alone. So, you know, their family and friends were worried that, you know, I was <laughs> unsupervised for lack yeah. of a better word, but, um, you know, again, I, I remained willing to take direction and I, you know, when I threw my hands up the, that, that day in the bathroom, I left them up for a long time. And, you know, there are still things that I have not taken control of back control of, and I probably don't plan ever to do so because yeah. I lost the privilege to, to do, to, to handle certain things in my life um, because I don't know how to, to handle them. And it's not my decision really, you know, if I'm trying to call all the shots and control everything yeah. for me, it just leads to, you know, failed expectations. So the more I can, just step back away from and let things happen and just sort of um, react and live almost like around what's happening, the better for me. Um, My stress level is reduced, you know, et cetera. But I think just the fact that I would, I got a sponsor early on and was uh, on the phone a lot uh, I went to two meetings a day. Uh, I didn't go back to work after rehab for probably six or eight weeks. Um, so I went to at least two, most times three meetings a day. Wow. Um, I had a new dog at the time, so I was at the park a lot. I think for me, it, it you know, just having as little idle time as possible yeah. um, was important to keep my you know my mind busy and to keep physically busy uh, was I think the most important thing. So you found so you kind of found having an agenda 
a schedule, I guess is probably a better way to put it. Um, one of the great things you say early on, you got a sponsor or a mentor or, you know, some, somebody to, depending on what I'm an advocate for whatever program works for anybody, as long as it works, that's yeah. the most important thing. We're all a little different. I don't Absolutely. push one way or the other. So I, I tend to kind of, you know, you can use whatever terminology you want, but accountability is, is the, is the key, I think. And, um, yeah. you know, that's kind of what Nate is saying here, guys, is like, he did the work. Like he took the advice, he listened, um, you know, he didn't try to have all the answers, didn't try to have everything figured out and just took the advice and did the simple things, especially in those first 30, 60, 90 days is so, so crucial. Um, so you're doing the work you're, you, you know, you're going through, um, you know, and when did you say to, what, what was your sobriety date again? 2015. Yep. Okay. Got it. So let's see. We're So you, so yeah, you're, we're pretty close, man. We're pretty close actually in sobriety date. So yeah. what is, what is life like today, Nate? Like, what's it looking like? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, listen, life is life, you know, things yeah. are going to happen and it's not, um, you know, a, a, a rainbows and butterflies all, all the time, yeah. you know, things happen in sobriety. There are, um, stressful situations. There are, you know, death and, and love and, and all the things still happen in life. Yeah. I am just now equipped to deal with them. Um, and, you know, if I think back to how the story started as sort of that um, kid who didn't know what his feelings were and didn't know how to relate to people and didn't know how to really function in yeah. society um, is is a complete 180 from now. Like I sort of thrive on hearing people's stories and sharing my own and, um, you know, being able to, to reach out to, you know, I guess strangers for lack of a better term and really finding that connection to your point. And I was, we recorded an episode yesterday and I was talking to a young lady from Vegas and we were just in awe of how, you know, as addicts, we are just willing to share like the most intimate and, and vulnerable times of our lives and details about ourselves yeah. with other strangers, uh, you know, in the, in the hopes that, you know, we can connect and that we can relate and that we can, um, you know, help ourselves in some way. So yeah. I think that is huge now staying connected to the recovery community, um, is my number one priority. Yeah. Um, and that is sort of, I guess, how the, the podcast was born and, and how it led me here to you today. Yeah. What about, um, in, in just doing some of the work, um, spirituality, meditation, that connection to something higher, um, is that, is that been a, a pretty big part of your recovery? You know, how has that helped? Uh, what does that look like? Yeah, it sure has. Um, I was able to, um, you know, get in touch with and find um, a higher power for myself early in recovery. And, you know, I think not growing up a religious person or really understanding the difference between religion or spirituality yeah. before understanding a little more about the program that I work is, um, you know, it, it, it was truly eye opening, and, you know, the, 
the group of AA was my higher power for a while because yeah. that's those were the people that I went to see two or three times a day. Those are the people that I was taking direction from and sort of wanted what they had. So, you know, it was it was probably almost a year before I was really in tune, I guess, enough with my own um, recovery to to sort of seek beyond that and, and and come to terms with and find my own higher power. But yeah. my spirituality and and I do meditate, although not as much as I would like to, because my day is always so much damn better when I meditate in the morning. <laughs> I but I like to pretend yeah. like I don't have time to do it every morning. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so so therefore, um, yeah, I would say you know it's probably two, three, four times a week, but yeah. um, it, it's definitely still a focus. And like I said, certainly feel better when I do meditate. But um, yeah. Uh, prayer and, and meditation and, and the spiritual side of things is is uh paramount in my yeah. recovery yeah it's funny I'm, I'm the same like i uh i really do you know my intention is always great every morning it's some gratitude uh it's usually you know walking the dog he's actually walking by right now i can hear his little footsteps there <laughs> uh, but walking the dog and when i walk his name's brody when i walk brody that's kind of like I, I i'm able to drop into this meditation state almost and i kind of prepare my mind for the day i pray a little bit i'm i'm kind of seeing um you know what what needs to be reset in my mind and then just kind of be with it you know and sometimes sometimes i'll listen to a little music sometimes it's nothing but what i want to point out here is is something that you said we, we don't do it every day and and if you don't i don't know if, it, if you're like me but i can tell when i don't do it i'm like all of a sudden i'm off for the day i'm like dude what the hell is going on oh yes. that's right i didn't meditate i didn't walk the dog i didn't start with gratitude like it's so yeah. it, it makes a big difference absolutely i can a hundred percent tell yeah um, so one of the things I, you know, and, and I get a ton of in, inquiries for articles and, and podcasts and, um, you know, different things going on. I've been getting, um, many, many article, uh, requests or, uh, press releases about high addiction rates, high alcohol rates in the gay community. I know that's something we are going to hit on a little bit today. What's your take on that? Um, what, you know, what does that look like? What are some of the, are you, are you offering, um, you know, some of your insight through the podcast on that? What, what does that look like? Yeah, we do. We we've touched on it in, um, I think two episodes and, um, we, yeah, it, it's weird that I can sort of relate it to the the story in our conversation today. Uh, if I think back to, to myself in that, um, sort of awkward state of, um, just loneliness and, um, internalizing all of those feelings and it being such a big part of who we are, um, yeah. And, you know, living a lot of times with it only in our own brains and, um, you know, that tends to, and sometimes if you, if you live a, a closeted life, um, there is a lot of research that's done that, you know, we, we tend to develop almost an internal homophobia um, against ourselves and our oh. own sexuality. Uh, and that tends to, you know, th throw off our, our brains. And it, it's just something that is very hard to deal with. I think 
Um, it's almost like know, trauma of, in itself. Yeah, it's, it like is. Some trauma. it's, it's yeah. definitely a trauma. Um, yeah. You know, I think we can all agree that that most people in the LGBT community experience some discrimination in some way throughout their life or, um, you know, some, it, it could be physical, it could be emotional, yeah. you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, well, you said you were that, picked on as a, as a kid, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I think it's... A, it does something you know, to I a don't kid, have, man, no matter you what. Know, yeah. Any statistics in front of me, but I, I would imagine that the, the rates of that are very high. Yep. Um, and I think that um, you know, those few things paired together, along with um, you know, just the um, you know, there you don't have a lot of gay peers. Um yeah. when when you're in those sort of formative years. So um, a lot of things are internalized. And yeah. um, I think we just turn to drugs and alcohol at an early age to to alleviate some of that yeah. and um, to to touch again on sort of the normalization of of drugs and alcohol um, yeah. as um, almost a self-medication tactic, I think um, tends to uh, contribute to that. Uh, I will say, and like, um, the, you know, gay men tend to, um, actually, I don't want to say that. Sorry. That's cool. Yeah, no, it's all, it's all good. I, I don't want to generalize, well, but, um, so yeah, I think like that, the, the biggest thing would be the, those feelings of difference yeah. and the, um, kind of not fitting in, like just yeah. not being, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just want to tell you, man, like I'm, um, I'm super proud of you, bro. Like for just for, for speaking up, for speaking out, for sharing your story, um, you know, and being so open about it because I can imagine it's not an easy thing, uh, to go through. Uh, and then not only that to actually speak out publicly about it. Um, it's, that's a whole nother ball game in itself. And then to, to create a podcast about it, uh, you know, and, and not about that in particular, but just, you know, being and going through that, that's a part of your story. So that comes out right. in your story. It comes out in the podcast, of course. And so one of the things I, I want to ask you is I know that there's another young man who's going to listen to this, who's struggling with that, who's out there, who, who feels different, who doesn't know, you know, what, what is going on and what, what advice, what, what, um, inspiration, what would you share with him today, Nate? And then, and then we'll get into the podcast. I want to talk a little bit about that too. Yeah. I would say that it gets better Mm. and you will find yourself and you will find your people hang in there and you know just do you do not let outside sources and those around you dictate your own beliefs and your own morals stick to your guns and you know it gets better yeah good man good i i love it man thank you thank you i know you know that's Sometimes that's hard. What advice would you give you know, yeah. on the spot like right. that? But Ooh. I think I think it's perfect. I think it's as simple. I think it's it's as simple as that. Like it, it like everything is impermanent. 
everything gets better you know um joy happiness sadness anger all that stuff is you know it doesn't last forever this too shall pass you know and so if 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 nate can get through it if i can get through my own stuff like you guys can get through whatever it is that you're going to to going through too and so uh good good stuff man thank you thank you for sharing that um so let's let's bring it up yeah absolutely man let's talk a little bit before we wrap up today about the sobriety diaries man like you you had this idea you wanted to launch a podcast um and uh, i think i congratulated you on that in the beginning but congratulations again Uh, you're gonna gonna be having great guests on to share their story and help kind of spread the word so how's that going tell us a little bit about the show where can people find it at uh go ahead man yeah so it started really as it started on my youtube channel and i just started these almost just really informal vlogs of talking about you know my own story and 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 most of what I told you today and and just sort of in a very different setting, born of the same idea and the same need and want to get my story out there and and with the hopes of helping other people. But, you know, I sort of have always been a fan of podcasts. And as I was, you know, producing these videos and the audio and you know, I'm a huge sort of tech geek and, you know, I I just really had this like aha moment one day and, you know, I I can't even really explain it. It was during the pandemic and I had a lot of extra time on my hands and it just sort of like dawned on me that this would sort of lend itself absolutely perfectly to the podcast format and you know you can only talk about yourself so much so like (laughs) you know i would have like topics to the vlogs that i would do whether it was like you know being a i was a terrible employee as an alcoholic and then how i evolved into being like a reliable dependable employee And, and so i would like categorize them but again you can only really talk about yourself so much so i'm like how can i create more content you know and have other people involved and so it just sort of like dawned on me that it's like the perfect outlet for or that the you know podcast format is the perfect outlet for it so really you know i wanted to make sure that i did it in the right way so honestly i spent about like four to six months just really like diving into my favorite podcasts yours was one of them (laughs) um and (laughs) uh just making sure that I did it in the right way and understanding the format and the ins and outs and the equipment and what I would need and, you know, making sure that I did it in the right way. So when I felt um, like I was sort of ready on that front, I threw up some ads on Reddit asking for folks who had been sober for at least a year and would be willing to share their story in the podcast format. And I would say in the first 48 hours, I got probably 75 emails. Um, So that was like my first like, okay, this could be like, wow, holy shit, this could like be something. So started recording pretty fairly quickly after that. And, you know, I, I just, 
I, my goal is is to be able to highlight and share as you know as many people's stories as, as possible. I think that like increases the demographic of people that we can reach and that we can perhaps help in turn. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we were sort of talking before, before we were recording, but it's a lot of work, but it's the most non worky work that I've ever done and the most fulfilling and most, um, you know, it doesn't feel like work because I'm able to, sort of lay my head down at the end of the night and, and know that our goal of helping people is already happening. People are starting to reach out already. And, um, you know, we've gotten some positive feedback and I just really couldn't be happier. So good, man. Well, congratulations again, dude. I know how much work it is. Um, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of passion to, uh, you know, to continuously do this. Um, so, and, you know, also too, I think that, um, I think that God has provided you a platform, um, you know, now to reach other people and speak and share your experience. And, and there's some really solid purpose in that. And you're going to help a lot of people. I can see it right now. You know what I mean? Moving forward with this and being able to relate, um, to, to especially some other young dudes out there who have struggled with the same stuff that you struggled with as a kid and then going in through college and and all of that man it's 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 really cool thing man so congratulations again on that i appreciate it thank you one uh one one quick question so are you are you looking for guests are you i mean do you have a guest um like how do people reach out to you like what does that part of it look like if they want to connect or just follow you follow the podcast i mean let's uh let's give some takeaways here so folks can connect with you amazing so you can go to the sobrietydiaries.com and you can apply to be a guest on the show. We are actually accepting um, sort of anonymous written um, stories as well nice. for a, an exciting upcoming project. And um, all of our links to social media are there as well. Um, check us out on Instagram at the Sobriety Diaries Pod. But like I said, at, at the sobrietydiaries.com, everything is listed there. Um, show times are show dates, I guess, where we upload and all of the um, apps and platforms where you can listen on. Awesome. And we'll be sure to put all those in the show notes too. So everyone listening, it's easy. You can just click on them right there as well. Make it as easy as possible. Um, Nate, yeah. So, so good to, uh, to have you on today, man. I, I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for being so open. So honest. Um, any last thoughts before we close it out officially? Hey, I said that your show was one of them and I meant that. So this has been like a long time coming and this is sort of like something that has come to fruition for me. So I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, and hopefully we can uh, keep in touch. And if I send you an email, try to email me back. With <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you got it, man. This has been great. And I'm, I'm super happy to be a part of that, man. That's pretty damn awesome. So thanks again, Nate. Thanks so much. All right. I hope some spoke to you today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Appreciate you guys. Share the podcast with a friend. You can check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Uh, connect with us on Instagram at thatsoberguypodcast. Uh, it's uh, the sobrietydiaries.com. Uh, and then we'll have all the links. You can follow Nate actually on IG at the, at the Sobriety Diaries pod. And once again, all those links will be in the show notes. Love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Peace, love, and respect, and keep your blood clean. With